Welcome to AO On Air. This is a podcast from ActiveOps, allowing us to present you topics ranging from operations management, leadership, technology, and new innovations. Check out all our episodes on YouTube channel AOTV or with your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple or Spotify. Now let's begin. Hello and welcome to AO On Air a podcast from ActiveOps. I'll be your host today, Michael Cups, and I've got a co-host joining us. I'd like to introduce you to Bavesh. Bavesh, why don't we start by a quick introduction with you? Hey, Michael. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Really excited to be here. My name is Bavesh. As you mentioned, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at ActiveOps. Um, you know, looking forward to sharing the mic with you, trying to learn a lot more about the industry, talk to our customers, and talk to experts in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great to have you. Just to have, add more perspectives, I think, is important. Uh, so our guest today is Mr. Stuart Pugh. He's Chief Product Officer for ActiveOps. Stuart, welcome. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, maybe a general introduction of your role and background, please? Yeah, so my role in ActiveOps is to look after the technology, product, and customer success teams, making sure we deliver products and solutions that provide great, great value um, for our customers. Uh, this is my second career before joining ActiveOps. I spent a, a lifetime, 25 years in the world of banking operations, a long time with HSBC, um, mostly UK, a few years living in India, and then eight years running operations for Abu Dhabi Commercial Bank uh, in the UAE. Excellent. Well, great to have your experience here. And of course, of course your role is, is critical in discussing the topic we have today. So let's get to that. Uh, it's an interesting topic. It's, it's introducing a new quarterly performance tracker for financial services that ActiveOps has published and will continue to publish. Uh, Stuart, could you tell us just a little bit about or introduce us to the Ops Tracker? Yeah. So within ActiveOps, we've been benchmarking the performance of service operations teams across the world for around um, two years or so. And in Obstracker, we're now bringing insights from that benchmarking activity um, to the wider community. Great, great. And so that it's measuring operations at a, at a kind of a, a broad scale, or can you, just a little bit about what it measures? Yeah, so uh, the ActiveOps benchmarking looks at how well operations are being run. And I think that's the first sort of important point to, to get across. So very often, much of the attention in the world of uh, service operations goes to processes and the things that you can do to make processes better or to automate them, digitize them, uh, RPA and all of those techniques. But we're focused on how well operations are being run. And that's often an overlooked and unloved area. But it is an area that we can do apple for apples benchmarks looking across different companies and sectors and even uh, regions. So the benchmarking is built around five key metrics um, that we look at to determine how well operations are being run. So we look at your agility, the ability that an operation has to flex resource in order to respond to variation in volume. We look at control, which is all about how capable you are of delivering predictable outcomes of meeting plans that you have in place. Focus is a metric which says of the time I am paying for, how much of that time goes to the core work that I want my people um, to do. Effectiveness is looking at your ability to operate 
um, to meet service levels. And efficiency looks at uh, your ability to perform at a stretching but sustainable and achievable level of productivity. So that's really a measure of variation of productivity that you might encounter. We add up uh, all of those metrics and apply a difficulty factor, which reflects the sort of the variation that uh, an individual company might experience, the challenge of running operations within that company, and together that gives our ops index score. That's true. I think um, it's quite interesting to to think about the relevance for you know, the ops index and and the ops tracker now in 2023. So, you know, if I was a senior operations leader in a bank or an insurance company, you know, what have I got to look forward to over the next 12 months? It's a really challenging time within the world of operations. So we bounced from the pandemic, which just overturned the rule book of, of how you ran operations. Um, we had all of these migrations of people moving from the office to work at home. I had to invent a whole new way of, of, of managing people and engaging them and motivating them when they weren't physically present with it within the team. We had tremendous dislocations in the type of work that we did. So during the pandemic, the you know, traditional business volumes just collapsed, but whole new categories of work uh, emerged for people to do. So just as we are coming out of that and, and thinking, well, you know, few, as not that operations leaders can ever relax, but just thinking, oh, you know, now we're heading to more settled times. We moved into then what was known as the great resignation or silent resignation, but a fundamental change in the relationship between our, between people and their employer. And that was manifesting itself in higher turnover rates, a, a bidding more for talent, really difficult. Um, to hire and retain um, individuals as people's attitudes to, to work and what they wanted from life um, altered. From that, we bounced into then uh, the effects um, of, of, sort of global uncertainty. Uh, you know, invasion of Ukraine led to lots of things happening within the economy. Um, none of us really sure how the next 12 months are going to unfold. but an increased focus on cost and efficiency uh, we're seeing across our customers. So I've now got to, to operate more efficiently, become more cost effective in a period where I'm already struggling and fighting to retain resource and bidding up for that and dealing with real uncertainty on, on the business environment. Oh, that's true. Well, that's, that's, I mean, it, it seems like there's going to be some really um, uncertain times for operations leaders over the next 12 months. But, you know, we can, you know, if we take a step back to the data again, I guess one of the challenges that people would consider is, well, you know, my operations team is different. I have different operations. I, you know, manage different products and services. So how does the ops index take that into consideration? And, you know, you, you, you talked a little bit about being apples to apples. How does that actually work? Yeah, that's a really great question. And one of the challenges with traditional approaches to um, operations benchmarking is, is exactly that problem. Uh, no two organizations serve the same customer set through the same channels with the same products yeah. using the same technologies and with the same sort of risk and compliance processes in place. 
So when you're trying to compare sort of efficiency at a process level, it's really hard to make any conclusions um, from that. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, if the benchmarking shows that you're more efficient than the competitors, you believe in it. And if it shows you're less efficient, you'll find the 10 reasons why it's not a fair comparison. In our benchmarking, it's agnostic to process, to strategy, custom segment, looking purely at those metrics, reflecting how well you are running operations. So it is uh, a fair and objective comparison across uh, different companies. Yeah, I mean, that's a you know a very valuable point because obviously, as you say, if you want to compare, you know, what how you're actually running your operations, you kind of need this specific data set. So I understand, Stuart, when we you know um, did the analysis, so we looked at the data set from pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and obviously up until the end of last year. Um, so perhaps you know you know when you were looking at the data, what were the key highlights? What were the things that so say surprised you the most in terms of that period of time? I think two really big surprises came through. So just in that period, um, as we were going through the pandemic, I, I would have expected our ops index scores to fall as, as companies were diverted onto other things and maybe operations didn't have the main focus, but the reverse happened actually. And just thinking about that, uh, a bit more. It is the case that in in that moment of crisis, um, organisations sort of understood the value of their operations teams. That it is their operations teams that delivers the customer experience that keeps the whole company going. And in that period where there was a perceived threat to the performance of those teams, that focus came in and how you ran operations became really important and companies in effect doubled down on that. So we did see during that period, the ops index scores um, rising, even despite all the other challenges that operations leaders had to contend with. But second big surprise was in today's environment where we have these um, cost challenges kicking in, actually ops index scores are beginning to deteriorate, beginning to fall back. Um, it's almost as though those lessons from the pandemic of the importance of running operations have, have been forgotten. People are now focusing on other things. I suspect a lot of focus around digitization and maybe that value of just running operations well um, has fallen. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I think, you know, um, the data set is based on, I think, you know, over 30 companies and, you know, 30,000 employees across multiple regions. So, I know, we, you know, I was reading, we've got UK and Ireland, um, Australia, New Zealand and North America. And one of the things that struck me is, uh, the, I guess, a real movement between those different territories and different regions. So, for example, the UK was very strong pre-pandemic, you know, all countries rose. But it's eroded so far now where it's now bottom of the, the the pile between those three regions whereas the us was starting at a much lower base and has increased quite significantly so maybe it's worth delving into the countries then so why do you think the uk and dare i say has suffered so much in this in this period of time i think that's a, a great question i don't have an easy answer to that although as a brit you know it's 
embarrassing that we're being beaten by the Australians, so I to urge us all to come and resume that, uh, that age-old battle. Um, I, I think that is a great question. I, I would I'd go back, I think, to that general trend of we've seen priorities shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a, a real advocate for running operations well. I, to me, it's the foundation on which everything else is built. And I often use an analogy of, would you rather stay in a hotel which has great facilities but is badly run, or a hotel which has okay facilities but's run really well? And whatever you decide as an answer to that, it does make you think about the importance of running things well. And in the context of operations, all of your digitization and um, improvement projects are going to flounder, be harder, produce less good results mm-hmm. if you don't run your operations well. So I would just urge us to, to not to put our foot back on the pedal yeah. and get really great and focused on the fundamentals of operations management. Yeah, so I guess there's things like, um, I mean, we're looking at the data set in the UK and things like control started to decrease. So the, the, the planning versus the you know, the ability for doing the work and, you know, they're becoming less agile, so less able to flex, you know, and therefore also focusing on um, more core work. So I guess those, those core levers just need to be focused on again. That's probably what we're saying, right? I think so. So that this foundational discipline of production management, having the right people in the right place at the right time, working at the right rate, that is on that everything else is built. Yeah. So I think if we look at the the the, the US and North, well, North America, um, as we said, as I said earlier on, it came from a really low base and it's it's kind of improved steadily through the pandemic and it's definitely in a better place than it was prior to the pandemic, but still quite a long way to go. I mean, what would you say the US needs to do in order to really capitalize on the the gains they've made over the last 12 months? I think it's a a case of continue to um, just get better. So they're on the right trajectory, focusing on the right things and, and continue that pattern, get even better still. Stuart, I'm curious, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing in, in North America quite a bit of uh, the layoff talk. And now it's it's less in, in, in the financial services sector and maybe more in the tech sector. But I'm, I'm curious, out of those metrics that you mentioned there uh, or you talked about the, the ops index covers, is there one of those that is more impacted or less impacted by things like shifts in the in the labor market? I, I think it will reflect in all of those metrics, actually. So if you have higher turnover um, within your organization and historically, it will, it will impact its your efficiency. Um, your productivity will vary as you bring newcomers up to full speed. You will be spending more time um, training individuals, so your focus will deteriorate. Um, your agility will also suffer because you have that that training burden to carry that limits your ability to flex um, resource. So it, it does have a, a general and sustained impact across the whole metric set. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And, you know, sorry to have to bring this up to you, Stuart, but Australia and New Zealand, right? I know <coughs> we don't like to be behind uh, the Australian New Zealand, but they have performed you know, specifically you know, well during the the last 12, 18 months. And 
you know, looking at the, the data, the control is higher, so they're better at planning and better at, at you know, delivering against goals. Um, the, the focus, you know, is lower, but the paid workout per hour is a little bit lower. So that suggests that while there's been great improvements, there's still perhaps potentially capacity left on the table. Would you, you know, is 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 that fair a view on, on what's happening in that region? I, I think that is, and we do have to shout out. One of the great joys of my job now is I get to work with operations leaders really across the globe, and you yeah. you get to see differences in approach, people trying new things for the first time in different regions. Um, and you have to hand it to Australia and New Zealand. They have led the field in the discipline of operations management. So it has been more established, more systematically deployed, greater investment in the, the skills of operations leaders and in making that a prerequisite of a career path within operations, really professionalizing the, the practice of operations management. So their performance is really reflecting that. Um, that ability to consistently run operations well. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we saw in the in the last quarter, and as you know, again reading the you know the report is usually Australia, New Zealand, uh, you know, are pretty much recession proof, and um, but they usually catch a cold a little bit later than mm -hmm. the UK and the US, and it's kind of a, you know, perhaps a six month delay. So, you know, while we've seen erosions in the Ops Index score in the other two territories post pandemic, it hasn't been as dramatic in in the, in the australian new zealand region but the last quarter we start to see a dip so so be really interesting to see what happens over the next quarter whether that trend continues um you know over the next three three, three to six months and see whether they have the ability to pick back up again yeah and i think you know we also have the very real effect of the different approach they took to covid so they were more uh, insulated from from the global pandemic, um, had tighter controls, didn't maybe have the uh, the immediate downsides that we experience elsewhere. But then, as they released the controls, you know yeah. that began to have an effect. Um, so yes, I think it'd be really interesting to uh, to see those trends. So I guess we've been talking about you know the trends from the past, shall we say, the last 12, 18 months. So taking all of that into consideration, <clears throat> what do you think that, you know, are the key trends, the things that operation leaders should watch out for over the next 12 months? I mean, we've talked about the fact that, um, you know, there's a need to, re, you know, actually capitalize on the capacity that you have on the table. Um, you talked a little bit earlier on about, you know, the traditional methods of cutting costs, which is reducing staff, is probably not going to play out. Bearing in mind, you have to... Uh, uh, you know, there's a there's a war for uh, staff at the moment. What other things do you think operations teams should be considering over the next 12 months? I think the, probably the most interesting one to look at is agility. So the flexibility that that you need, and and it's almost the hardest of all of the the metrics because you you want to create enough flexibility, but not too much. And we see customers who falling either side of of that. Um, point. So it's really easy to say, well, I should have, for example, a workforce that's cross-trained, fully cross-trained to do at least one other task or two other activities. Um, but you don't need that scale of investment um, to optimise your resourcing. Um, so we do see organisations 
creating almost too much agility as well as others with not enough. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's going to be a really interesting balancing act, right, as, as operations teams start to fine-tune their, you know, all their different resources. Um, one of the other things that was really interesting during during the pandemic period, and you mentioned it right at the top of the um, end of the podcast, talking about how it transformed the way people were working from home, and and you know we start to see now in every territory where there's battles for employers trying to get their staff back into the office, right? And there's that constant challenge going on. Um, so you know we, we, what we did see is hybrid working really didn't impact productivity. In fact, we, we've seen from the data that it you know, it peaked during the pandemic and it's certainly higher. What do you see, I mean, uh, in terms of the long-term impacts of that, do you see anything with, you know, hybrid working continuing over the next 12 months? So this is an entirely personal view that, yes, it is here to stay. Um, I I don't think there is any way back from this. Uh, People want it. They like it or rather they don't like commuting and almost the price of commuting outweighs that loss of social interaction and people are finding different ways to have the social interaction that that they want. Um, For for companies, uh, my view, and again, entirely personal view, is that the challenges, right? How do I build culture when I have a remote working team? How do I get that discretionary effort, the engagement, the sense of um, alignment to a purpose, all of those challenges, onboarding, um, those challenges are things we have to deal with in a remote working or hybrid working environment. The answer can't be force people back into the office, right? It's bizarre to argue to increase engagement, I'm gonna force people to do the one thing they least want to do. I don't think that's a strategy that works, but that is um, just a personal view, and I'm sure there's lots of people who will disagree with uh, with that. But I guess it does mean that the um, you know, the metrics that we're tracking in the ops index actually can really help operational leaders, you know, fine tune that and make sure that even if it's a hybrid workforce, you're still driving the best productivity that you can. Yeah. I, the challenge, it, the challenge is in running operations. Right? Operations is a people business, and it's uh, that makes it a science and an art as, as well. Yeah. And what you're trying to do is is get the best out of the people you have. And to do that, we would say there's four elements in in making that happen. It is around aptitude of people. So, do they have the right skills? Um, their willingness. So have I motivated them, engaged them? Um, do they want to, to do the, the work that I'm giving them to do? Crucially is the opportunity. Am I giving them the opportunity to, to do everything that they're capable of doing? And then also, you know, last and important element is health or well-being. So I've got to create an environment which is doing all of those things. And the moment you try and just focus on on one metric productivity you you risk upsetting everything else it is a very delicate balancing i think 
Yeah, that's a great that's a great point, and it's clear, uh, Stuart. That it's it's fun watching you because you 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 show that you enjoy the data, so that's that's fun. But Vesh, I have a question for you. Um, uh, you know, we've talked about the data, we've talked about some of the trends and things like that. If somebody wanted to access this data, is there is there a way they can get the report? Yeah, no, absolutely. You can um, jump onto activeops.com forward slash ops tracker, and that uh, gives you basically what Stuart's been talking about a rundown of the key. Um, highlights and the key um, trends that data has given us, and then you can download the you know the full report. Yeah, and and so we've talked about forward looking. You asked the question of Stuart about the uh, you know the next twelve months. Uh, how do, can they subscribe to make sure they get these on a periodic basis, or what's the what's the plan for the future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we you know we we plan to release um, uh, you know a quarterly uh, report, so every quarter. We'll be looking at the previous quarter's, you know, data trends, and trying to make some sense of it, and then figure out what that means for the, you know, the following you know, three to six months. So, absolutely. And if you if you go onto the Ops Tracker page, you can subscribe to it, and then we'll we'll automatically send you that information every quarter. Excellent. Well, I just want to say thank you both for for joining us, uh, Bavesh. I'm looking forward to our next podcast too, where we have a very large. A South African insurance and banking com- customer that's going to join us and talk to talk to us about how their operations changed. Uh, so that's going to be fun. So looking forward to that. So everybody listening, stay tuned to our channels and you'll you'll be able to get that as well. Um, it was fantastic talking to you both, Stuart and and Bavesh and Stuart. Thanks for your insights on the data. We appreciate everybody listening in. And if you if you missed a, a different episode of AO on Air, you can find that on YouTube. You can find it on Spotify or your favorite podcasting channels. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you very soon on the next one. Thank you very much.